In this episode, I tell what doing production work in factories has brought me. Welcome to a new episode of Modita's podcast, From Pain to Being. The podcast in which I take you beyond the pain in your life to who you essentially are deep inside. How can you deal with your feelings? How can you find peace in your head? What exactly is behind your pain? And above all, how can you be yourself more and more? Just take a deep breath and exhale. I wish you much joy in listening. After finishing my medical studies, so I was a medical doctor, I didn't know what work to do. In fact, I was wondering if I really felt a medical doctor inside of me and what direction I wanted to go. And it was so difficult when I look back because I was depressed. I was already depressed uh, for a very long time. And being depressed, I didn't feel any connection with myself, with my core of my being and because I was not connected with myself I couldn't find any connection also with the outside world and I couldn't find my passion because fulfilling the passion it's really needed to be connected with the own being otherwise from where the passion can come. But still, I tried to figure out with my mind what kind of work I should do. And it didn't work. I was really thinking in circles. Uh, Actually, the mind cannot do anything else than uh, going in circles, going with what it still knows from the past and projecting that in the future. And what happened inside of me was that I could almost not move anymore. It was very difficult to leave my bed in the morning. And uh, the, the second thing was that I needed money also. And one day I was sitting on the terrace in the center of my city, Eindhoven, again uh, pondering over what I should do. And then suddenly I realized that it would never work out to try to find a solution in this way by thinking and thinking and thinking. And then suddenly I decided to do something that was totally different from being a doctor, to do some work that was totally different. And by doing something that was totally different, maybe... From there, the space would be created in which I could find what I really wanted to do. So I decided to go to an agency which sends out people for work. 
and to work in a factory. Very simple work, basic work. Uh, that would be totally the opposite of my brain-oriented work I had done before. And I immediately took action and I was placed in a factory where I was, uh, I had to stand uh, at a rubber, uh, next to a rubber band where booklets were floating towards me. Um, booklets about how to use a manual shaver for men to shave, a manual shaver. And I had to pick up 10 booklets and put an elastic around them and uh, put this pile of booklets into a box. And when the box was full, I had to close the box and then again start putting the booklets in a, a next box. And uh, what was very helpful for me, it was that I had bought my first book from the Eastern Mystic Osho. And this book was, uh, had the title The Hidden Harmony. It was about Heraclitus from Greece. And Heraclitus was speaking about that you cannot step in the same river twice because when you step in the same river the second time, the river will have changed already. Much water has flown and new water is coming and also your foot is different because you are also a different being each moment inside of you. Also something is changing. And this was also the emphasis uh, from Osho uh, in this book to return to the moment, to the here and now again and again and again. He spoke about uh, 33,000 times a day returning to the present moment. And I felt Osho was very honest in this, that it is really needed to do this 33,000 times a day because our mind is again uh, shifting towards the past or towards the future any moment. And to come back to the here and now is the thing that makes us alive. So I thought this simple work will make it possible for me to use this as an exercise and to use my work as a meditation. It's much more easy to do that with a simple act like walking, for example, but also with very um, <clears throat> simple parts of your work. It can also be uh, cleaning your working table or uh, starting up uh, your computer and returning to the here and now. So I had the chance to exercise this the whole day, standing at this rubber band. And it gave me so much satisfaction because as soon as I came back to the here and now, I could see how the light was coming in through the windows of the factory. I could hear the sounds of the people, of the machines. Of uh, I could feel the movement of my arms, of my hands. And I could notice when my mind would say, Modita, what are you doing? You are a medical doctor and you are standing at a rubber band. But I could feel the importance of doing uh, 
simple work. And I was so joyous suddenly. My day had a structure and I was doing this work. I, I had a totally different experience from what I was used to. And the other people in the factory, they could see that I was so happy. They asked me why I was so happy. And when I explained it, some of them understood and some did not understand it at all. It depended on, on their own life experience. And what was also very uh, much satisfying was that I could see what I had done. When I was studying, I was stuffing things in my head and it, it was not visible from the outside, not even from for myself, what I had learned. And in that factory, I could see the boxes uh, that were filled by me were piling up. So what I had done that morning and it was even like this that I was so much longing to start that I started coming 15 minutes before I should start and my boss said to me I will not pay you anything extra for those 15 minutes I said no I know but I I simply cannot wait until I can start so <laughs> he looked at me very uh, surprised And of course, it was a difference for me compared to other people who had to do this uh, their whole life for earning money for their family, that I was already thinking that for me it would not be for my whole life. Even when I value when people can do this for their whole life, when they uh, can bring uh, this certain quality to the work, Um, yeah, I will first read an, a text from the Eastern Mystic Osho about cleaning the floor. That uh, cleaning the floor, also a simple act, can be a tremendously creative act. So somebody asks Osho how to be creative while doing jobs which seem not to leave any space for creativity, like cleaning, etc. And Osho says then, cleaning a floor can be a tremendously creative act. Remember, creativity has nothing to do with any particular work. Creativity has something to do with the quality of your consciousness. Whatsoever you do, can become creative. Whatsoever you do can become creative if you know what creativity means. Creativity means enjoying any work as meditation, doing any work with deep love. If you love me and you clean this auditorium, this meditation hall, it is creative. If you don't love me, then of course it is a show, it is a duty to be done somehow, it is a burden. Then you would like some other time to be creative. What will you do in that other time? Can you find a better thing to do? Are you thinking that if you paint you will feel creative? 
but painting is just as ordinary as cleaning the floor. You will be throwing colors on a canvas. Here you are washing the floor, cleaning the floor. What is the difference? Talking to somebody, a friend, and you feel time is being wasted. You would like to write a great book, then you will be creative. But a friend has come. A little gossiping is perfectly beautiful. Be creative. All great scriptures are nothing but gossips of people who were creative. What do I do here? Gossiping. They will become gospels someday, but originally they are gossips. But I enjoy doing them. I can go on and on for eternity. You may get tired someday. I am not going to get tired. It is sheer delight. It is possible that one day you may get so tired that you disappear and there is nobody. And I will be talking. If you really love something, it is creative. But this happens to everybody. Many people come to me. When they come for the first time, they will say, Any work, Osho, any work, even cleaning. Exactly, they say, even cleaning. But your work, and we will be happy. And then, after a few days, they come to me and they say, Cleaning. We would like to have some great creative work. While cleaning, go on thinking you are painting. This is not a cleaning. This is great creativity. And it will be. It is just your mind playing tricks. If you understand, then you bring your creativity to every act that you do. A man of understanding is continuously creative. Not that he is trying to be creative. The way he sits is a creative act. Watch him sitting. You will find in his movement a certain quality of dance, a certain dignity. When you understand, whatsoever you do, <coughs> Cooking, cleaning, life consists of small things. Just your ego goes on saying these are small things. You would like some great thing to do, a great poetry. You would like to become Shakespeare or Kalidas or Milton. It is your ego that is creating the trouble. Drop the ego and everything is creative. I have heard a housewife was so pleased with the promptness shown by the grocer's boy that she asked him his name. Shakespeare, replied the boy. Well, that is quite a famous name. It should be, 
I've been delivering in this neighborhood for almost three years now. I like it. Why bother about Shakespeare? Three years delivering in a neighborhood. It's almost as beautiful as writing a book, a novel, a play. Life consists of small things. They become great if you love. Then everything is tremendously great. If you don't love, then your ego goes on saying, this is not worthy of you. Cleaning? This is not worthy of you. Do something great. Become Joan of Arc. All nonsense. All Joan of Arcs are nonsense. Cleaning is great. Don't go on an ego trip. Whenever the ego comes and persuades you towards some great things, immediately become aware and drop the ego. And then, by and by, you will find the trivia is sacred. Nothing is profane. Everything is sacred and holy. And unless everything becomes holy to you, your life cannot be religious. A holy man is not what you call a saint. A saint may be just on an ego trip. And also he will look a saint to you because you think he has done great deeds. A holy man is an ordinary man who loves ordinary life. Chopping wood, carrying water from the well, cooking. Whatsoever he touches becomes holy. Not that he is doing great things, but whatsoever he does, he does it greatly. The greatness is not in the thing done. The greatness is in the consciousness that you bring while you do it. So these were the words from Osho. And when I hear him saying the last sentence, the greatness is in the consciousness that you bring while you do it, I immediately think of um, a man who was selling French fries in the corridor <coughs> that uh, bridges one side of the railway station to the other side, a kind of underground corridor in my city. And I was going there to that uh, stall where French fries were sold because in my depression I wanted to eat some really unhealthy food, some kind of fatty uh, food because that uh, was matching my depressive mood. So I came there with a very dark mood and then this man handed me over the, the back of French fries with such a friendly smile and he really looked me in the eyes and suddenly there was light. My, my whole um, mood changed and 
my whole day changed just because of this so-called small gesture of the man, which was a great gesture. And I could see when I was standing there for a while, also while I was waiting for my French fries to be made, I could see that he had this friendliness towards everybody who was coming. He simply was this friendliness. It was a, an inner radiation. And his work was, in a way, so simple. If you look uh, to the act, uh, the whole time putting French fries in the bag, but each gesture he did with so much consciousness and... Uh, dedication so I thought this man is doing a, a great work and the same happened when I was uh, on holiday in India with my Indian beloved friend and we were staying somewhere in one place for a few days and it was a very very small village in the middle of nowhere And there was one small uh, kind of open stall in the, uh, at the edge, at the border of this village. And it was just a small roof on poles. And underneath the roof were like four small tables with some chairs and a machine that could squeeze sugar can uh strings the sugar can uh, plant so that the sugar can juice came out and uh, was uh, collected in a glass and the glasses were um, handed over by the old man who was squeezing the juice and given to a small boy who delivered the glasses to the small tables And this man who was <coughs> squeezing the sugarcane juice, he was very old and he had many wrinkles in his face. But from this face, so much light radiated that came from deep within this man. And he didn't look much around but when he looked at someone he really looked the person in the eyes and then returned with full dedication to his work each gesture was done with so much consciousness and the light he radiated was radiated over the whole stall so i saw that every day people were coming back not only because of the fresh cold and sweet juice of the sugar can but also because of the the so friendly radiation of this man this friendliness turned the whole stall into a home and my indian beloved friend he saw how much i enjoyed this man and also the small boy who who was also inspired with the same joy and dedication in bringing the glasses to the people. And my Indian friend, he had not much, uh, not many possessions because he used to give everything away to people who, when they liked something, what, what he had bought uh, or uh, got, he immediately gave it away. 
But the precious thing he had, uh, uh, actually the only, only possession he took on our holidays was a binocular, a small binocular. And we enjoyed that binocular so much. We we looked with it at every detail of birds and plants and uh, things far away on another mountain we could see and he decided to give this binocular to this old man and the child. And I was so touched by this, by uh, that he gave away his most beautiful thing out of gratitude. What I also learned in the factories was a very simple way of communication. I was used to talk a lot and I loved uh, sharing and talking as you can uh, feel in maybe in those podcast episodes of mine. But also sometimes I use my talking as a kind of wall between me and the other. So when I talk, I don't have to share my feelings or I think that maybe other people cannot see what I feel so I can kind of hide myself between my words and in the factory people used almost no words only the very essential only the core of the message that had to be delivered so when somebody came for example with a trolley through the factory and I was standing in the way they just said get out of my way and in the circle of people with whom I used to be it is a very unfriendly kind of saying get out of my way but I really learned to appreciate it the first two days that I was working in the factory I I, ju- I didn't talk at all I, I just looked how people behaved with each other and I tried to f- find out the quality of this kind of communication and then I found out that the people were fairly very clear and direct and in those three or five words they said also the emotion was transmitted they wanted to transmit so I learned this quality of pure short and to the core communication. What also gave me a lot uh, in the next factory where I worked was the social connection with others. It was a factory where um, I worked with other women at a square table, we, were, we all were sitting around this table and we were dressed in a white uh, coat and uh, we had a kind of cap on our uh, head which kept our hairs away So, and uh, we had to sit in a quite, in a silent uh, mode so that we didn't move too much because no dust should be floating in the air because in the same space of the factory also men were there who were uh, printing or developing photos 
And for those photos, no dust should be there, otherwise the photo would be spoiled. And what we had to do was, uh, on a metal frame, we had to uh, put between small sticks that we were sticking out of the frame, polygons. And polygons were a part of the television uh, with three holes in it, um, the size of the... Uh, thumb of the upper part of the thumb and uh, in those polygons were three holes through which the the color rays uh, of the television have to be transported and those polygons needed a, 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 another layer around them a galvanic layer and So we had to put all these polygons on the frame, put the frame in a car and the car would enter the space where the second layer would be thrown over the polygons. It was very monotonous work actually because the whole day putting polygons on the frame until the frame was full and then put the frame in the box. But the beautiful thing was that Again, it could be used as a meditation because it was easy with a monotonous work to come back to the here and now again and again. But also there was so much space for a social conversation. And I was working with people from different countries and I love it to work uh, in an international way because other cultures can mirror my own conditionings. When other people do things differently or think about things differently, I can see my own conditioning, how I have learned to think and learned to behave, what is not visible when I work only and speak only with people from my own country. So I was working with uh, one woman who was living on a campus with people who live in a a car on wheels. It's a certain society uh, where most people in that time couldn't read or write or uh, do calculations. But they were very, those people are very much emotionally involved with each other, very social, very loyal to each other. So I really learned from that woman so much. And I was touched by her. She had three children. One child was dead when when she was born. And she showed me one photo where she carried that her dead child with so much love. And I felt so beautiful that she had made a photo of the child and was holding it in such a proud and loving way where she was very sad at the same time, of course, because of the death of her child. And there were also two people from the Philippines who worked very hard to earn money for their families so that their families could buy food in the Philippines. And when some family member was sick, they worked even harder because medical support was needed as well, money for medical support. And one of the women was also saving money for her wedding dress. She wanted to marry and she wanted to buy a very expensive wedding dress. And 
every day in the in the break she was looking through booklets where all kind of kinds of wedding dresses were displayed and so it made me enter a different world and there was one woman from Indonesia and I feel very much connected with her because my mother is born in Indonesia and has lived the first 15 years of her life there and I was touched by her sharing capacity because she was very poor but every lunch she brought Indonesian food and shared it with us with and she was so grateful when we accepted her food and when we enjoyed her food so I really learned from her, her as well and there was a girl from Belgium who said that she was thrown out of the house by her parents and she was in love with a, a boy from my city and they had a small room and she earned money for uh, buying furniture for that room and at a certain moment she felt a lot of nausea so we thought she must be pregnant and she had already bought uh, small shoes, the first shoes for her unborn child and we so much and oh yeah and there was a Chinese woman who was a friend of me for a long time who was working in the factory uh, for learning the Dutch language and we really tried to understand her we noticed that she, when she was laughing I could not understand her why she was laughing and when I was laughing she could not understand why I was laughing and at one moment we laughed at the same time and then still she asked me why are you laughing I said now we laugh at the same time and still you ask me she said, I just wanted to check if we laugh because of the same thing. <laughs> so I really love that. And so my horizon became so much became so much wider. I I was in my study, I was only studying alone in my room and I had no social contact with other people. And also in my depression, I had been so isolated because I felt when I am so depressed. Uh, nobody will want to meet me and I didn't know what to talk about because I felt only down and I had no any passion or I didn't uh, um, come across any new thing or adventure so I was really isolated at that time so I appreciated it so much to work together with the other people even when we were working in a place uh, of the factory where not any daylight was entering. I think it is forbidden by law, but still we had to work there. And I made jokes also. I had a transparent water bottle next to me. And I told the people that it was whiskey that was inside the bottle. So when I was drinking a sip of water, I really with a very meaningful face, very enjoying face, I was taking the sip of water as if it was a whiskey. And then I was a little bit wavering my body as, as if I was dizzy because of the whiskey. And all the people of the factory were looking at me when I was drinking my whiskey. Also the men who were, were doing the photography, 
they were very interested in what we were talking about as women at the table because this is a kind of talk that men don't uh, share. So they came many times towards our table and they were happy when we were also interested in their lives. There was also one factory where I really uh, wanted to bring in joy. So I started working in that factory with a girl with the name Yet. We were sent out by the same uh, company who is sending out people for work to different places. And we entered the factory. The work we had to do was pressing out, out of um, paper, the front side of chocolate boxes. And then make, making a pile of those front sides of chocolate boxes and then transport the pile one and a half meter away to a different place. That was the work we had to do. And around us were many uh, uh, places where there were rubber bands where people were doing production work and the people looked very sad it was very silent in the factory and they looked with very sad and we wanted to bring in joy and music actually we wanted to change the environment also for our own uh, satisfaction of course for our own uh, pleasurable environment and after I'm not now looking back I can see that it was also a kind of invading their space because when you come in a new place and you immediately want to change it it is a kind of devaluating their space this I can see now but what we did, first of all, I really was longing for holidays. So I said to Jet, to Jet, let us pretend that we are abroad. So we started speaking English with each other. So everybody at a certain time thought that we were English people. And it really gave us a feeling of holiday, speaking English with each other. And then... We wanted some music, so the next day I brought a small radio and we played uh, very happy music and immediately the boss came to us and said uh, a radio is not allowed inside of the factory. So we started singing and the boss also tried to stop our singing and then we invented that when we could transport the piles of the front side of the chocolate boxes by throwing them at each other, it was more joyful and at the same time the work was done more fast, one and a half time more fast. And the boss came to us and he said we are delaying the work, we, we, we are working slower. I said no, we really have taken, uh, we have inquired the time we need when we don't throw or when we walk to one and a half meter away. But he didn't believe us and he fired us. 
So the company who had sent us out couldn't believe that I was fired because I was always doing my factory work so fast and the bosses were always very happy with me. So I explained it, but they didn't understand. And actually we were asked by that factory to come one day more because they really needed us. So we did it. One day more we worked there, even when we knew we, were, we would be fired after that one day. But there were also factories, uh, especially the, the Moha factory, factory, where snacks have to be packed in boxes. It was a very derogatory, difficult word for me in English, derogatory, atmosphere really you didn't get time to reach a, a box of new gloves when your glove broke down uh, you first you had to work very hard at the uh, at the rubber band so that the lumpias would not fall down and then you ran to the to the corner to find another glove and run back and then just the lumpias were not falling down because you had run so fast. And when you had to go to the toilet, you had to ask permission to go to the toilet. I felt really dehumiliating. Uh, so I couldn't work there for more than two days. But I know that many people have to work in those circumstances. And... It is so important, not only for in the factories, but in any kind of work, that people are given agency, that people are given a space to, in a way, uh, have the opportunity to, to plan the work in such a way that feels good to them and that people can use their creativity to work in a way that is efficient and to cooperate with the bosses with what is the best way of working that gives the, the work satisfaction and gives the people also uh, dignity ultimately working in the factories didn't feel good to me anymore I felt this is not my passion of life and I couldn't bring out enough creativity because there were too many rules and I didn't live my potential, I felt. So even when I didn't know what to do next, I decided to stop the work in the factory because it made me also dull in a kind of way. And in this dullness, I couldn't find the, the next move in my life. And then... When I looked in the newspaper, I saw an advertisement uh, that somebody was needed to teach nurses medical subjects like anatomy, physiology and uh, uh, teaching about diseases. So as a doctor, I had the knowledge about anatomy, physiology and diseases and of course, but I had never been teaching in my life. But I come from a teaching family. My parents were teachers, my aunts, my uncles were teachers. So in a way it was in my genes almost. I almost, I only was lacking the, the courage to do it. And in that time 
for my personal growth, I was doing every week gestalt therapy in a group. It's a kind of therapy where the mind is bypassed, but where, where you work on an emotional level and with the body and very much in the here and now. And I was telling about this possibility of a new job, but I told that I was very afraid to teach like a headless chicken in a very chaotic way. And then the therapist of that Gestalt therapy group asked me to first do a kind of teaching performance to the rest of the group, who were pretending to be my students then, in a very organized, ordered way. And then a second time to do the same bet as a headless chicken. And as a headless chicken, I was teaching in a very in a much more juiceful way. My students were laughing and they were enjoying and they were very much more attentive to what I said than when I was trying to teach in a perfect way. So that gave me the courage to take the job and they also took me. So I did this work for three years. But the message of this episode is that Uh, importance of uh, doing whatever work you are doing in um, in a meditative way, enjoying the moment and doing it in a devoted way, whatever it is, whether it is cleaning the floor, whether it is washing the dishes, whether it is working in a factory or whether it is uh, being a lawyer or a doctor or a teacher or whatever, or um, selling french fries because it is not about what you are doing but how you are doing it and how you use the work for your personal growth and any work can be creativity and can be a meditation and can be important to other people like that person who delivered me the french fries was so important for my my day and my life and was bringing a ray of light in into my life and gave me the feeling that uh, living a life with light was possible when I was in a depressed mood. So this was what I wanted to say in this and share in this episode. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope it has given you a new insight or perspective. I love interaction. So if you want to share your experience, contact me through the email address you find in the description below this episode. I will always answer you. I wish that you will experience joy in everyday life and inner peace and that you will be able to transform your pain into being. You can follow the episodes of this podcast via Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast or Podbean by clicking the follow or subscribe button. If you listen via the Apple Podcast, And this is only possible if you have an iPhone, 
you have an extra advantage. Because if you click the subscribe button, you will always receive a message on your mobile phone when another episode of my podcast appears, to which I would like to invite you warmly.